This is Framework Leadership. I'm Kent Hingle, and you're listening to the Framework Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Brian Kilmeade. Brian is the co-host of Fox & Friends and the host of The Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox Radio. He's also a New York Times bestselling author of five books, including The Games Do Count, George Washington's Secret Six. His latest book, Sam Houston and the Alamo Adventure, is now available. It's a pleasure to welcome you back on the podcast, Brian. Hey, Ken, thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm really excited about your latest book, so let's jump right into it. Sam Houston and the Alamo Adventure is about one of the most pivotal moments in American history. What about this story made you want to dive deeper and write about it? Well, I wanted something after Jackson. I was fascinated by the fact that Jackson mentored Sam Houston. I got some remnants of that when I was studying and researching Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans. So I was able to start the book kind of where I left off the other one. Um, where uh, Sam Houston's learning how to fight under Jackson, made some big mistakes, got great courage, big guy, uh, got some war wounds that would never heal. He learned that uh, courage has to be calculated. He also learned that uh, our our country's fragile because when he goes, when he survives a couple of uh, heroin uh, perilous nights, he he brings back to Washington to heal. He looks around, the whole place has been burned to the ground, it's been destroyed, they have to rebuild the whole capital. He thought it would uh, last for generations. So those two, uh, those two things would just kind of be a constant throughout the book and throughout uh, Sam Houston's life. And I also like the fact that Sam Houston's not perfect. You know, his family had a farm. They needed him to work. He wasn't a great worker. They bought a store. They wanted him to be a clerk. He was a terrible clerk. He left. He went and lived with Cherokee Indians for a while. Uh, so then he found himself in debt, uh, decided to start getting himself together, joins the army, fights in a war, learns about leadership, learns about uh, uh, learns about uh, how to make your own way in life through Andrew Jackson. And all of the lessons he learned, all the missteps he made, it just brought made him the perfect candidate to try to, to, try to do the impossible and lead a bunch of uh, Texians uh, to independence over Mexico in 1836. Let's talk about some uh, some specific moments you wrote about. Andrew Jackson and Sam Houston held, you know, similar hopes for the American acquisition of Texas, but the undertaking, of course, presented many risks for government. In your opinion, why do you think Jackson, from the get-go, trusted Houston to lead? Well, he saw him. He saw a lot of himself in Houston. He saw that, you know, you don't have the best upbringing. His dad died young. For Andrew Jackson, he lost all his parents and his brothers. Uh, before the Revolutionary War was done. So right after, he was totally on his own. He saw a lot of potential in Jackson, uh, in, in Sam Houston, too. Uh, back then, he was about 6'3". Uh, for us, he would be someone 6'7". And saw a lot of cur- uh, courage. He loved courage. And when he saw that courage in battle, and when Sam Houston got that arrow in the leg, and uh, just missed his groin, by the way, and he had to get that arrow out and continue to fight. So he ripped it out himself. It caused so much bleeding, he had to leave the battlefield. And when mm. Jackson went back to the sick area and said, can anyone fight? I got to finish these Creek Indians off tonight. Uh, it was Houston that popped up. And then it was Houston who took two shots in the shoulder. And those, those wounds would never heal. And he said, man, this guy's uh, something. He doesn't fear anything. He doesn't fear death. I, I think I can teach him stuff. So I think he saw a lot of himself in, in, in Sam Houston. In chapter six, you you write about those fighting for Texas independence, and, and they saw it as an opportunity for, for really a second chance. What what made them leave the comfort of their home states? Was it was it the prospect of you know putting roots down out west and experiencing real freedom? What was it? A couple of things. Some were running from the law. 
I mean, William uh, Barrett Tra- uh, Travis, he, he was somebody, had, he was a lawyer, had a problem with marriage and uh, suspected his wife was uh, doing uh, up, to, uh, up to no good and uh, tried to shoot the guy. He had said, okay, I best, better cut bait here. You know, you had uh, Davy Crockett losing an election. He's like, I got to start new. I'm going to Texas. Uh, after Sam, him and uh, Andrew Jackson had a fallout, Jackson kind of primaried him with today. And then you had Jim Bowie, who lost his family to disease. He was able to start over, goes to Texas to do it. Already had a lot of success as a war fighter and a businessman. And you have others who just wanted a fresh start. I mean, believe it or not, they were complaining about land prices back then. And uh, the land prices, uh, the land prices would be too high. And they also were complaining, believe it or not, about regulation. They thought, let's go someplace where there's less regulation, less taxes. Let's go to Texas. So we want a free world after a free world, a new world after a new world. But they had the same American spirit there. Just give me land, give me an opportunity, and I'll find a way to make it work. And I'm not going to blame you if I don't. And, and speaking of that, that spirit uh, today in terms of, I mean, in our, in our culture, what, what do you think today the average American can learn from their ability to overcome setbacks? Well, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, basically, we are doing just the opposite of what we used to do. We used to say, give me an opportunity to pursue happiness. I'm not going to blame anyone. If I do fail, I'm not going to be because I expected to. And if I do fail, I'm going to try to fight another day. Yeah, the most successful people in this country lose everything multiple times. George Washington was, uh, went broke, and he ends up being the most successful, maybe richest man in the country. You have a Sam Houston's father lost everything a couple of times. Sam Houston had a lot of money, and then he would blow it a couple of times because it was all or nothing back then. Just pick yourself up and go back to work today. We want to blame people. We want to have social uh, programs to prop you up should you make a bad decision. And there are certain things that got better and they should get better. But the mindset of pursuing happiness, not blaming people when you don't get it, having the opportunity to be successful, but not guaranteed. And if you're not successful, well, you you know, the next generation, your family will be. And the whole billionaire's tax, $1,000 that Democrats are talking about just for, uh, because automation makes getting a job challenging. Or right. baby bucks because your parents don't have a lot of money. That whole mindset, nobody back then could identify with in America. Mm. You know, in chapters eight and nine, you 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 talk about and you show why the deaths of, of Jim Bowie, William Travis, and Davy Crockett uh, were the most crushing of the Battle of the Alamo. How how was the idea of really an American war he- hero changed by their deaths? Well, I mean, it's just amazing. As people think, well, we only remember great victories. And when I first took on this this project, I said, well, everyone knows the Alamo. How, how am I going to do something new on the Alamo? And then I realized this this book should be about what happened before and after. And that's why we tell told a complete story. And it's not how, you know, how you live and how you die will echo in the future or not. And the way these men fought for 13 days and held off over a thousand, maybe two thousand, some say three thousand Mexican soldiers, regular army, against a makeshift group of 180, and the damage they put on some of Santa Ana, who is the leader and president of Mexico, where they put on some of his elite forces, and the delay to allow Sam Houston's army to retreat, retrain, and and and, and uh, you know build up, uh, would really allow Texas to be free, and the match, the the monuments to their fight, uh, the letters that were written knowing that they were staring death in the face. That's why they live in infamy. That's why you go there today and you think they died yesterday. Hmm. You, do, you, do you believe that war heroes today carry the same cultural significance of these three? I do. 
I do. I, I think the one thing I find really heartening about today is I, I just see nothing but respect for people that uh, that sign up and fight. And I do. I mean, you, you go to the airports. I don't know if these people, Democrats and Republicans, well, whether you're Bill Maher or Rush Limbaugh, uh, you, they see a soldier, they have respect. They understand it's service. They understand it's a total volunteer force. They understand what they've been asked to do in possible situation, hunting down terror groups in the worst places in the world, be standing by to take on a uh, tyrannical force like China or, or Iran. They understand that. You know, you don't do it for the money. You do it for the sense of service. So I, I like that idea. Uh, you know, back then you literally were fighting for your existence. You were fighting for your livelihood. You weren't fighting for um, American foreign policy. There was no debate. You know, when there was a debate, uh, like in the War of 1812, the North stayed out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the rest of the country won it. And a lesson was learned then. We got to fight together or we're going to fall apart. Yeah. At the end of the book, we see how Houston pressed uh, for Texas annexation into the Union. How do you think Texas, you know, looking back, would have would have continued to operate as a sovereign state had it not become part of the U.S.? Would have been tough. I mean, you had a lot of forces to the point where they were actually listening to Britain who wanted to offer to, to go, you know, basically, let's work out a partnership. We take over, we'll control things, we'll finance things, we'll protect you. Uh, they almost took it if they ultimately didn't get the annexation nod from America, which they wanted. They had a small Navy, but Mexico was constantly rattling their cage at the border. It would hard for me to believe that uh, Texas would be anything but an American state. But as their own country, I mean, they certainly were big enough but I never think it would have lasted. It was so Americanized. I mean, Americans populated that. Tianos, who were Hispanics who were living there already, they wanted to be American. They, they wanted the whole lifestyle. So it would have been tough for me to imagine a, a scenario where they don't eventually get absorbed into America. Yeah. Houston's, when you look at his life, his incredible leadership ability led him to serve as both the sixth governor of Tennessee and the seventh governor of Texas. You feel like there's any great leader today capable of balancing something like this? Wow. Yeah, I mean, we have some people out there. I mean, I, I think of Nikki Haley. He's got tremendous leadership ability. I mean, we have, um, you know, I, I, I love to see McCraven, General uh, Admiral McCraven get in there. I, you know, General McChrystal is on the TV special. So passionate about the Alamo and the way these men fought. I think we got some General Petraeus would be brilliant uh, as governor and leader because he gets the military security, understands how to lead men, also understands the country. I think we got some great people. I just think that as soon as I hear people talking about themselves all the time and their power and their victory, I think we're in trouble. Because one thing these people understood, it was for service for everyone. Hey, I'm going to put my business on the side. I'm going to go serve for a while as a governor, senator. And then I'm going to come back and see what's left of my business. That was my service. Now the people are there. And if you look at the 1998 impeachment hearings, and then you look at the 2019 impeachment hearings, the same people. No one ever moves. They look at right. this as a lifetime appointment. Yeah. You, uh, in, in looking at Houston, it's like, what do you think are the, the, the profound leadership qualities that he actually has that, that we can learn from? Cool under pressure. Uh, doesn't take things personal, extreme confidence in decisions, almost to a fault where he refuses to discuss what went into deliberating uh, for his decisions, willing to lead a fight. I mean, literally, he's getting shot off two horses in the final battle. And with the last time he was shot off, he was hit in the leg. You know, he was what happened in the Creek War in 1814. So when you're willing to do that, also, 
you know, I'm not saying it's the best move, but he had, there was a lawmaker who was mocking him. He found the guy in the street and beat him to, you know, beat him uh, silly with a cane because he was limping because of his war wounds. And he was censored for that. But he, they saw somebody that was willing to stand up for himself back then. You had a guy also who grew. He was drinking too much. You know, his nickname was The Raven. Originally, when he was living Cherokee Indians, it became The Big Drunk. Mm. And it just shows you he ended up remarrying. He ended up stopped drinking. He ends up with nine kids to the point, not that this was included in my book, but to the point where when the Civil War pops up, Lincoln got word that this governor from Texas didn't want this war. So he said, basically, if you can stay out of this war, I'll protect you. We'll, we'll put some northern troops on the line. And when Texas voted to go into the war as part of the Confederacy, he left the job. So that's integrity. Yeah. You're going to be on a book tour throughout the next few months. What's the most rewarding part about traveling and, and getting the chance to talk about your latest release? I mean, I love it. it. It almost is like going into the library and then having to give an oral presentation. You think to yourself, this whole book's been in my head. Can I actually say it out loud? And I just can't wait because I say it out loud the way I thought it, the way the decisions you make uh, in yeah. constructing it. And then you get questions. And what I like is extremely intelligent people say, you know, I never knew that because this is not meant for the Yale professor. It's meant to be accurate, but I want to get right to the point. And right. if people love it that much and they want to go back to the original documents, you can do it. But for the most part, I love to having state, see very well-read people say, I never knew that like this. Number two is I like when I like when people take an interest in history because I think there's a war on history right now. So instead of this being a a moment in which I, I get to pursue my passion and hope other people like it, I actually feel to a degree that I'm that I'm helping the American cause because for some reason we no longer think we're exceptional. You know, Ken, we used to think we were so exceptional when we traveled around the world. People thought America is arrogant. Right. Where's right. that swagger? Now we're the first to put ourselves down. Now we're the first almost apologizing for our leaders or for our army or for our efforts. So I don't know how that happened, but if I could do a little bit to make, to push back on that, I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, two more quick questions before we close our conversation. Uh, you know, this isn't the first history book you've released. Uh, what about history? You know, especially you're focusing on American history makes you want to write about American history. A couple of things. I feel like it's the closest thing to time travel. I think the thing that I like most is which many people hate most, and that's the research. And when you could go in there and hear them and read their words and see them describe something and then stand in that very spot in 19, in, in what year is it? 21, in 2019, as opposed to 1836. I mean, I do it. Uh, Fox let me do an hour TV special that's going to air November 17th at eight o'clock Eastern time and at 11 o'clock. And I'm able to go to the tree. It's called the Witchway tree. It's this tree where Sam Houston famously got to and had two branches. One pointed to San Jacinto to fight Mexico. The other one pointed to the American border. And that was that moment when Houston says, I'm going to go follow this branch and go to the, and go to fight Santa Ana. I'm finally ready. And to stand in front of that very tree where he made that decision, um, that is just to me is a, the closest thing is to, to, to looking back in time um, and feeling it rather than just reading it. One final question. How can a better understanding of history make someone a better leader? Uh, I don't think you can be a leader unless you study other people's uh, methods and practices and find out what's going to be effective. So everyone's got to have their own style. You have your own style running that. 
university. You have your own style with your family. You might be coaching. You do you you are you, but you you tone it depending on your audience, the age, the bracket, their education. But you are you, providing leadership uh, information. To me, if you don't study Teddy Roosevelt, if you don't study Sam Houston, if you don't study Andrew Jackson, if you don't study George Washington, not to be them, but to find out what made them, uh, I think you're wasting your time. It's so intriguing to see how they got there with the work. What also I find heartening is so they all made mistakes. A lot of right. them. There were all times in which they were not people to emulate, but they learned from it. And as soon as you see these great people, in Washington's case, he's carved into a mountain and you were able to see their journey and what mistakes they made in the French Indian war and the mistakes he made as a young man, um, how he always felt, felt a little insecure because he didn't have the high education of the other founding fathers or even his neighbors. And he always had that little bit of insecurity about it as if everybody was thinking about that. In reality, we weren't. I'm thinking to myself, wow, join the club. Everyone's got their insecurities. Even George Washington, everyone at times uh, tries too hard. Even George Washington, you know, everyone makes mistakes, moral misjudgments. Thomas Jefferson thinking somehow that slavery could gradually go out uh, and he wouldn't be the one to do it. But man, did he do other things that were phenomenal, unexplainable, and made him indispensable. So uh, when I look back and see imperfect people who are held up to a high standard, I think to myself, I'm going to be a little, maybe everyone at home could say they'll be a little less hard on themselves whether they weren't as good as parent, uh, having good a spouse, weren't as good a coach, weren't as good a boss as they could be. As long as you learn from it, uh, guess what? It's part of the process. Yeah, well said. Hey, Brian, it's been great to talk about your latest book, Sam Houston and the Alamo Adventure. Grateful for you, your powerful voice, perspective uh, on many of the challenges and issues facing our nation uh, today. So keep keep it coming. And for more information on Brian and his latest book, you can visit briankilmead.com. That's briankilmead.com. And one more time, when is that special going to be aired on Fox? Uh, it's going to be eight o'clock, November 17th, Sunday, and it's going to be repeated at 11, unless uh, Donald Trump steals the news cycle again, <laughs> and we can't see a, a show, but that'll be it. And if anyone wants to know if I'm going to be in their area, uh, if you go to briankilmead.com, just click on events. Okay, I'm going every weekend uh, through the holidays. Great. Hey, great to have you on today. Thanks. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at kentingle and on Facebook at kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.